Welcome to the Hope. This week is, uh, and it's kind of funny because last week it didn't even dawn on me that it was kind of an end times message, sort of, kind of. And as I was praying this week, I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to go in this direction. And yet I was like struggling with it. Do I talk about last days? Do I go somewhere else? And, and I know you guys don't need to hear this, all my struggles. However, you know, it's important because the Holy Spirit brought me to another passage of Scripture, and, and it dawned on me, it's like, I, I didn't realize how much scoffing there was. If you remember last week, scoffers and mockers, I didn't realize how many scoffers there were in the Bible. And, and, and I'm going to show you that again today in a different passage. I'm like, who knew? And guess what they're talking about? The last days. Huh. Eschatology, the perusia, the apocalypse, elliptic apocalypse, end times, the end of the world, the, the end of life itself as we know it. There's a time for man to be born and there's a time for man to? It's just going to happen. And I want to talk to you about last days. And there's so much, so much about the end times. About 20% of the New Testament is written about the last days. Jesus coming back. Can you get excited? Because if, if the Bible didn't talk about that part, we'd be in trouble. We'd just be sitting here going, oh, what's next? <laughs> But we know because we've got we've got the book. Right? You want to know what's going to happen? Get the book. If you don't already have it, hopefully you do. The Bible. That's what I'm talking about, right? The Bible. All right. The last days. What to expect before Jesus returns and then what follows that? There's so much that's coming at us. And I believe it's going to be soon. And I'm not going to get into it this week, but the Bible is specific about not setting dates. But we can know the season. And there are so many passages that I want to read, but I have to limit it to some degree, or we would be in this till the end of 2023. So this week, I'm going to look at starting out with 2 Timothy. And when I read this, and again, I saw that, that word, scoffers, I was like, man, seems like there's just a lot of scoffers running around during the end times. So I, I'm going to intersperse last days, end times, you know, whatever we end up calling it. But it all means the same thing when, when Jesus comes back, right? That's what we're all looking forward to. That's our hope. If we're born again, our hope is that if we're already dead, we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. But if we're not, we believe that there's this thing we call the rapture, and I'll get into that at some point in the near future, where God is going to return for his church, and we're going to be taken up in, in a twinkling of an eye, in an instant. So this week, beginning with 2 Timothy 3, 
Verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Look at your neighbor and say, very difficult times. If you're here today because you want a warm and fuzzy message, you're in the wrong church. Why am I hammering this point so hard? Because of this. There are too many today who don't want to hear anything offensive. But you know what? The cross is offensive. Jesus is offensive. So much so they beat him and hung him on a cross. And we're his followers. We're supposed to do the very same things that he does. So it shouldn't surprise us that in the last days, it's going to be very difficult times. We have been in this bubble in the United States for so long that I don't think we understand what it means to be a servant of the Most High God. And I just want to make sure as your pastor that you know what's coming and you're going to know how to handle it. What to do if you find yourself in one of these difficult places. Verse 2, for people will love only themselves. Man, do we see this today. And their money. Money is awesome. Unless that's the love of your life. And that's what we see today. People are more interested in what they can make off of someone. They don't care if it destroys the other person as long as they get their cut. That's what we see today, is it not? They will be boastful. They'll be proud. They'll be, here we go, scoffing at God. <laughs> Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Man, oh man, oh man. If this isn't today, and probably any generation previous would have said, if this isn't today, but it's so true today. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and they'll hate what is good. <sighs> I wish that was the end, but he's just starting. They'll betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. This is a big one. They will act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Obviously, he's speaking to the church. Stay away from people like that. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. Now, Paul was dealing with, and Timothy was dealing with, a specific group of people during this time, and the women were kind of doing their own thing. And Paul's addressing that 
here and in other places. He got into some specifics of chapter 2. Moving right along, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. These teachers opposed the truth just as Ianus and Iambrus, and I had to look that up, opposed Moses. Now, again, Paul and Timothy, they must have had some extra biblical uh, knowledge that they're applying here because they knew who Pharaoh's sorcerers were. Back in uh, Exodus chapter 8, we see that where every, every miracle that Moses did, they would try to duplicate it until they couldn't. And then they were made to look silly. And that's it in uh, Exodus 8, 18, if you want to look at that real quick. They have depraved minds. And here's, here's the one I just really, it struck me and a counterfeit faith. What is that? A counterfeit faith. What I want you to make sure of is that this isn't you. Because we can all put on a facade of being holy. That's my grandson. of being pure, of, of being something we're not. And what God wants us to do is, is admit our flaws. Come to Him broken and let Him fix us. And we do that by going back, by spending time at the altar, spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, letting the Holy Spirit do His job, which is to sanctify us. Every day we should get a little better, a little cleaner, a little... Now, I use that term loosely because when you're born again, when God has applied the blood of Jesus to your sins, you are saved. But what I'm talking about here is that next step, that, that process, because we're all in it. Things that I did 30 years ago, I don't do today. I've been delivered from those things. And, and that's where all of us, we need to make sure that we're not living this counterfeit faith, trying to look like somebody that we're not. And there are a lot of people out there today who are living like that. And in this case, Paul is emphasizing these two who faced off with Moses and Aaron. Verse 9, but they won't get away with this for long. Listen, everything that you do is going to be exposed. Whoa, did you hear the crickets? <laughs> everything you've ever done is going to be exposed. If it's under the blood, I believe that it's under the blood, it's done. It's, but if it's not under the blood, it's going to be exposed. So our job is to make sure it is under the blood. That we have repented, that we have confessed our sin, that we have come to God and said, help! I'm a pastor and I still do this. I'm a human, just like you. Yes, we're created in God's image. We look like Him in ways that 
No other creature does. I believe that's our spirit. But we all have flaws. Thanks to sin. That's just the way it is. All sin and falling short of God's glorious standard. That's the way it is. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are. Just as with Giannis and Iambrus. Counterfeit faith. What's so difficult? What's so demeaning? What's, what, why should we worry? Not necessarily worry, but why should we be concerned with this? Because Satan uses it to turn others away from the true faith. And this is something we're seeing more and more today. And this uh, illustration I'm going to share here in just a minute is from the Bible Illustrator commentary. But I just wanted to say, Satan uses counterfeits to discredit the church. Whenever one church is discredited by falsehood, the same is then attributed to the, as I call it, genuine church. You know, back in the 80s, and I was talking to John about this before service, but when I worked in engineering, I had just become born again when the Lord promoted me, so to speak. And I got into this facility, and, and I was so on fire for Jesus. And everybody knew that Norm was a Christian. In fact, they all did one of these. Because... I was the only one. You know, there were a couple guys that they went to church. But that was, that was their religion. That was a religion. That wasn't a personal relationship. I came in fired up. I came up praying. I came in there to help. If I saw somebody in need, I'd say, hey, brother, can I pray with you? They knew I was a believer. And in the 80s, many of you are way too young, there was this thing that happened with a guy named uh, Jimmy Baker. The older people are going, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> and, and he started this amazing ministry and TV show, and, and everybody wanted to go there, and they had rides, and they had all this cool stuff, and it was so anointed and full of God's glory until it wasn't. And Jimmy and his wife, they, they had a falling out, and Jimmy fell into sin, yada, yada, yada. Guess who they called me? My new nickname. Hey, Jimmy. And this was for years that that stuck. And, and I, at first, I was offended, all right? I'm like, I'm not like him. But then it dawned on me, they were attributing Christ to me. Even though it was a flawed Christ, a false Christ. Nevertheless, they still understood that Norm was one of those. But it was so easy for the church to be identified with this one out of millions that fell. And that's why these counterfeits, these fakes... 
Ah, they do so much damage, and Satan uses it over and over and over. Those who are not knowledgeable of Scripture become easily swayed either to believe the counterfeit or not to believe the genuine, whichever way he plays it. That's why we should be concerned and make sure that our faith is genuine and not counterfeit. That when people watch us, when they scrutinize us, and they do, they're going to get a magnifying glass out and they're going to look at you and they're going to, I see what you're doing. And you're like, Oh, sorry. Hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm saved by the blood. Amen. Amen. But we need to make sure that we're real with people. That we don't try to come off like this. Well, sinner. Sinner! Right? Don't be like that. Don't be that guy. No, the more saved we are, the more perfected we are, the more we recognize what God did for us in our moment of sinfulness. And that's how much we need to go after people who need Jesus. Because they need the same Savior that we met, that we accepted. They need it too. And so we can't distance ourselves from those people. We need to get closer to them. But we have to be careful how we do it. I'm struggling with this. This isn't in my notes. I read this last night. I read it again this morning. Here we go. This is out of the book of Jude. One chapter in Jude, just before Revelation. If you want to find it, it's a little easier to look for Revelation and just back up. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last days, <laughs> that's why I wanted to save it for next time. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. Here, here we go again, another scoffer in the last days. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. Ah, we must be led by the Spirit and not by our own man-made flesh. Church, we've got to be better than that. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. How many can say amen to that? In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. What did he just say? He said, look, you need to be prayed up. Praying in the Spirit. Moving in the power of God. And in that way, you will protect your salvation. Ooh. 
Verse 22, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. This is what we as a church should be doing. Going after people who are dead in their sins. Showing them another way. I hope I don't lose my voice. Lord, you got this. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins, and, and that's why I read this. Hating the sins. You, when you go after people who are living in sin, you got to make sure what? That you don't fall into that same old trap. I talked about it last week. I'm not going to go there again this week. But the, the dog going back to its stuff. You know, just as an Listen. God doesn't play with sin, nor should we. Amen. Everybody should say that. God doesn't play with it. And we've got to be careful that our witness, that our testimony is, is genuine. So that when people follow us, we're not going to take them down the wrong road. We're not going to trick them. Hey, come follow me. And then you get a, a mile down the road and you go the wrong way. You go towards sin and not away from it. Whoo! A good example of what this counterfeit faith does, and I love this, this little illustration. There was a British nobleman who wanted to make an example of how counterfeits can taint a person's ability to judge the genuine. And he told a man, he said, go stand on the London Bridge and yell loudly to people, get your genuine British sovereign for only six pence right here, folks, today only. You're all going, okay, what, what's a sovereign? A sovereign is equivalent to $450 in gold, today's price. Six pence, four and a half cents. I didn't realize the math worked out there. That's a really low number. Is that like a thousand, a thousandth? I think I'm saying it right. I'm not a mathematician. So, to put it into a modern language, today only get $450 worth of gold for just four and a half cents. Right here, right now. It can be yours. But wait. <laughs> Surprisingly, at the end of the day, and this actually was, somebody did this. Surprisingly, at the end of the day, nobody took the man up on his offer. Why? Thank you. Too good to be true. If only we were like this, with the infomercials at 2 a.m. Or the call on the phone, you've won the lottery in Timbuktu. But I, I, didn't, I didn't pay anything for a ticket. That's okay, we entered you on our own. Now you just need to send us $10,000 and we'll wire it to you. Woohoo! Back to the message. I, I was getting off there. 
counterfeits in the spiritual are similar to what happened with this guy. Those who peddle the fake faith, fake faith, it allows a person's real faith to be eaten away, sadly. A person who's been disillusioned by the counterfeit could be standing in front of a genuine miracle maker. Think about Jesus standing in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, men who knew the prophecies. They knew what the the Scriptures said about the Messiah coming. They're standing in front of this man, this wonderful man who was loving people and healing people. And what did they say? Ha! It must be the son of Beelzebub, the devil himself. How does that happen? Because they'd been hanging around too many counterfeits. So much so, it tainted their image of the genuine, and they couldn't even identify it, though Jesus was standing right in front of them. The Son of God standing right in front of them, and they're like, yeah. Wow. There was a Gnostic teaching, that's what we call it, prevalent during the early days of the church, and that's One of the things Paul was talking about with Timothy here. They were dualists. They were mystical. They believed that when Jesus came, he wasn't in a flesh and bone body. He was was in an imitated body, similar maybe to what a hologram might produce. And when Jesus went to the cross... They didn't believe God could do that or would do that, die for our sin. So they just thought that it was this image that looked like Jesus that went to the cross. That's what kind of stuff they were teaching in the early days. So Paul had to fight that. Timothy had to be able to argue against this false teaching. The devil knows that if he can get people to doubt the genuine, he has them right where he wants them. Dying and going to hell without any hope. There are too many folks today who have been disillusioned by the church who have witnessed that counterfeit faith. And they've just said, you know what? If that's what it is, I don't want it. And basically what they're saying is, I'd rather go to hell than go to heaven with a bunch of people like that. Ouch. I don't know if the church is going to get this indictment someday. I think I'm saying that right. If we're going to be indicted for leading people astray, the church, big capital C. But my guess is somehow, some way we will. I don't know what it'll look like. So we need to be careful that the gospel that we spread is the gospel, the same gospel that Jesus spread, that his disciples, his apostles spread. Nothing added. Jesus is our source. And I wanted to read quickly from verse 17, Revelation 22. The spirit and the bride say come. Everybody say come. 
Let anyone who hears this say, come. Say, come again. So Jesus is inviting people to come. Where is he inviting them to come to? Let anyone who's thirsty come. He's talking about himself. Drink of me. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Jesus is life. And if you are in your sin, go to him. Come to him, as the verbiage is used here, and let Jesus transform your life. The old man will be dead and the new person's going to come alive. How many can say, that's me? You're alive in Christ. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then the next part of this, and this is what I wanted to share quickly, only because I believe it's so important. First, that we understand Jesus is our source, right? But second, that if we twist things around in the Scriptures, we could cause someone to take a wrong turn. We want him to come to Jesus, not run away from him. Revelation 22, in verse 18 and following, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. These are, are, this is a strong warning. Don't twist what's being said here. And I, I put down there at the bottom the Deuteronomy passages. That was given to the people. The very same things that are said here were said in, in uh, Deuteronomy when the people received the law of Moses. How they were supposed to follow, how they were not to change a word. And that's why the scribes worked so hard to make sure every dot and every tittle, that that means every period, every T crossed, was accurate. And that's why the Bible is so amazing yet today, because they worked so hard to make sure they didn't screw up, because they didn't want their name to be removed from the book of life. They wanted to be able to eat from the tree of life someday and drink from the rivers of living waters. So they were intentional on what they put down. Anyone teaching another gospel must beware. This next part is is just, I'm just sharing it. Let Let the chips fall where they may. How many in this room when you do the same thing or you listen to the same person or you read the same material over and over and then somebody comes out with a new book on the same, same or similar topic and you just go, ooh, pretty. It's new. It must be, what, better. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? As a pastor, as your pastor, we don't need the mystical to make the gospel of Jesus Christ more appealing. What do I mean? If you don't find it in the scriptures, 
It's not from God. Why are we doing anything that is not in the Bible? I'm asking. This applies to the newer teachings that supposed Christian prophets and teachers are peddling out there. And you know, interestingly, most of these peddlers make sure that they have a pretty hefty price for you to order their set. One thing I've observed when listening to these, I'm calling them mystical. You can call them whatever you want. One of the things that, that I found that seems to be missing is that over the two centuries, and these, these scholars haven't discovered these things that now these new prophets are discovering. And this is a litmus test. First, they're weak on salvation. Second, there's seldom any evangelism that goes along with it. They're all about how this is going to make you feel better, how you're going to be stronger, blah, blah, blah. The church has a mission. And her mission is, its mission is, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that Christ taught, teaching them to obey, that's what we're supposed to do. That's our mission. And when we preach anything else but the cross, I think we're crossing a, a line that shouldn't be crossed. Anybody else agree? I mean, am I just... Let's get back to the basics. We don't need all the fancy stuff people are coming up with on their own stop looking for the newer fresher message as jude said and i'm going to basically say it again invite the holy spirit to overwhelm you with his presence and his power you want to be moved go to the source Amen. you don't need some interim go to god hunker down in your quiet place wherever that is and just let him overwhelm you with him. Be curious about the power of the Holy Spirit more so than some new teaching or, or, or new... Uh, I'm not going there, but there are some things I'd love to just call out right now, and I'm just going to be quiet. You guys are smart enough to know that when you hear these things, you're gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to go... That's what the pastor was talking about. You can't go wrong with Jesus, the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? What's this all have to do with last days? Because in the last days, there are going to be more counterfeiters than you've ever seen. People that are claiming to represent Christ. Some are even going to say, I'm Jesus! If you hear somebody say that like that, you better run. <laughs> Interestingly, if we drop down just a, 
a few verses or several verses. Paul exhorts Timothy to be careful with the counterfeiters. And, and then he says this. <laughs> he says, and this speaks to the importance of Scripture, but you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. Poke your neighbor and say, be faithful to the things you've been taught. He goes on, you know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And now this is Paul talking to Timothy, and they, they believe Timothy was around 25-ish here. Didn't have a clue. He was, he was pretty messed up as a pastor. Been there, done that. Where's, where is Ron, you know what I'm talking about, right? When you first started out and you met some of them people, and you're like, God, why did I do this? <laughs> he was at a tough place because they were bringing false doctrines, they were teaching false truths, and he had no clue what to do with it. And this is, this is the advice from the great apostle Paul. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. First and foremost, you're born again. Stick to that. That's the basics. And then he goes to the, the next verse, one of our favorites. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All, all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. True or false? Right there. Where is it? In the Bible! It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. There it is again. Twice. True and false. Right and wrong. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do everything good work. Amen. You want to know what to do? <laughs> Get it out. I'm not done yet. Know the genuine, you'll know the counterfeit. I've shared this before, but in the banking system, did they teach you how to identify the counterfeit or do they teach you how to identify the genuine? The genuine. She just happens to work at the bank. <laughs> what I mean and what I'm trying to point out to you is if you want to know what's counterfeit, just know the genuine. You don't have to go out there and learn all about the, the false religions. You just have to know about the one religion. Jesus Christ, and in Him are you saved. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. I don't care who might think it or say it. Second Peter, he, he says something very similar. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. That, that's, a, that's a lot said right there. Above all, you must realize no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from 
No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and they spoke from God. That's why the Bible is so important. We must make sure that we're not exhibiting counterfeit faith. We've got to be genuine. Because people see right through counterfeits. If you're not real, what's one of the things that you would expect to see in a believer? And, and I, there's one word that comes to mind. Okay, that's a good one too, change. Thank you, the L-O-V-E word. If somebody comes to you and they're thumping on their Bible... Ron, you, brother, you're going to hell, man. Are you going to receive that if it isn't tempered with love? Probably not. You're going to go, dude, get out of my face. Right? But if somebody comes to you and says, Ron, man, I love you, brother, and, and I know what God's done in my life. And I know what he can do in yours, and I see you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you look miserable, man. Living in your sins, and, and God knows everything about you, and he wants you to come to him and be saved. Which one are you going to listen to? So we have to make sure, church, that when we go to somebody, we're not just flipping off scriptures. They need to hear the love of Jesus in us. Because God wants them saved more than you do. Whoa. Again. For the word of God is alive and powerful and is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why do we read Scripture? Because Scripture knows us. Scripture affects us. Scripture will change us. You said it. It transforms us. But without it, we've got no hope. If we just do things in the flesh, well, I'm just going to be a good person. Good luck with that. And I use that word intentionally or that phrase. No, you want God's best. God's got to be in it. You invite him in. You say, ah, Jesus, I can't. But I know you can because Scripture says you will. And you do. And I need that. And everything changes at that moment. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to the church today. I hope that's all right. I'm preaching to the church believing that most of you are already born again. You've already been sold out to Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, or at least you're seeking that with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And you are serving Jesus with everything that He's given you. That's how I'm speaking to you today. And I just want you to get this nugget, because there is a world out there, and listen, you may go, hey, pastor, 
We don't know when Jesus is coming back. So why are you emphasizing this so strongly? Let me tell you why. Because today, thousands of people have died. It was their turn to go into eternity. And many of them did not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if the church sits on its keister and does nothing, says nothing, continues to go after these mystical things without thinking about why Jesus came to bring salvation, to, to lead the lost to Christ, then these people are going to continue going to hell. So even if this message isn't end times today, he's not coming right away, there's still thousands upon thousands who are dying today. It was their turn. And there are some in, in the community that feel like, well, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven and God's going to sort it out there. Uh, not according to that Bible I read. You make the choice on this side of heaven because once you're on the other side, it's too late. You say yes to Jesus now or you pay the price. It isn't God putting you there. I said this last week. It isn't God putting you in hell. You put yourself in hell by denying Jesus, the Son of God. By denying the cross or the need for it. Whew. Church, we have the hope that God's going to fulfill all His promises. Perhaps the biggest promise of all is, short of salvation, is that Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Scripture calls us the bride. And I know, guys, we don't want to be called the bride. But it is what it is. As long as He calls me. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Who is his bride? We are. When he comes back for his church, he's going to take us to heaven. And the world as we know it is going to be turned over. And this is, this is my take on this. Some might disagree. But he's going to turn the world over to evil for a short period of time. We call it the tribulation period. Where the Antichrist, the, the lawless one, is going to run free. And you think that it's bad today. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. When Jesus takes his hand off of it. And the church, I think, is going to be gone against some... I'll get into this more in the future. The point is, all hell's going to break loose on this planet. We need to be ready. Over and over and over, and I'll emphasize this again, but we need to be ready for the last days. There are many scoffers who try to twist the scriptures into something they're not. 
and then peddle their false religion or the belief that it's from the Scripture. You know, and you, you, could, you could take a Scripture and twist that thing to say just about anything. You know what I'm saying? It, it's so easy to do. And that's why we always say context. Look at the context. Look at who they were referring to. Who was the audience, etc. Don't just grab one little Scripture and run with it because that's what cults do. Another example might be how some believe more in science than they believe in the Scripture. Science is man-made, period. It is. Science is man-made. The Scriptures are God-made. We're taught that science is all that. I'm in my 60s, and over the last many decades, what I've witnessed is we used to be able to say, you know what, when somebody studied science, then it was scientific. But today, they twist the truth. If it doesn't work with their godless assumption, and many of our scientists are godless, then what do they do? They either twist it, change it a little bit, or remove it completely if it doesn't fit their, what they want it to say. And that's what science is today in a great, in the, in the setting of science itself. Skewed, changed, dropped. And we have to be careful where we place our trust. The process of science should be repetitious. They should be able to go back and repeat that thing over and over and over again. But we don't see that today. As for me, I'm going to place my trust in God and His Holy Word. Because I believe that there is an end coming. And we have to be ready for it or we're going to miss it. And when you miss it, you're in trouble. I'm almost there. I'm getting close. If you want to come up, whoever, Sarah... Recently, somebody asked an AI chatbot if Jesus was the Son of God. <laughs> and the chatbot replied, it is sure that Jesus is the Son of God. Realize that somebody filled that guy's, that AI's knowledge base. It must have included Scripture. Another chatbot was asked, what a what a person had to do to have their sins forgiven. And this particular chatbot, his name was Emerson, and he said, first of all, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Second, they have to confess their sins to Him. Third, He has to forgive them. Fourth, they have to obey His commands. Fifth, they have to live a good life. Sixth, they have to pray for forgiveness. Seventh, they need to ask God for it. And as the guy who was questioning the chatbot said, well, that's a lot of redundancy, <laughs> but it's true. Now, my guess is that in another 10 years, once they have infiltrated the truth, these chatbots are going to say something else. They won't be so conforming to Christianity because they'll make sure that they don't. But right now, for many of them, they'll actually agree that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
the evidence would lead one to believe that. I went into this in detail right after Easter or at Easter. It's true. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus is the Son of God. He was buried. But three days later, and not three 24-hour periods, but three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, they went to find the Master, His body, and what was there? Angels. (laughs) What are you looking for? He's not here. He has risen. (laughs) Woo! Even the chatbot knows. It's just logical. It's truth. But we don't need to listen to an AI, do we? What we must do is read and understand the words of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Yes, they were penned by men, but they were written through the unction, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, as the evidence has proven, we must do the things that Jesus told us to do. Okay, you agree. Yes, he, he was killed on a cross. Yes, he was buried. Yes, he rose from the dead. But what are you going to do with that information? You better start living your life the way that he commanded us to. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Receive forgiveness for sin. and Begin to live for the Lord. Would you stand? I'm going to skip one of them just to go to the end. But he who is faithful, he who is the faithful witness to all of these things, yes, I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Wow. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. (laughs) Are you ready? And if I could take this just another step. Speaking to you as the church, born again, is your neighbor ready? Is your husband or your wife ready? Are your children ready? Jesus is coming back. Is there an urgency in you to ensure that your family and friends know or at least have been given an opportunity to know Jesus is coming back? Father, Use this message today to help us not to be counterfeits, but to be genuine. We serve the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. Lord, we are here today to be used by you 
teach us, Lord, to do the good works that you've called us to do. Help us to reach out to those who are desperately in need of a, of a Savior for salvation. Don't let us walk by that one again and again and again and again without hearing your voice saying, that one, I want that one. And then give us the words to say. Show us how to love them in Christ, through Christ. Let our light shine, Lord. If that's you, would you say amen? And if you're here today, and if there's anybody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe he's new to you today. Maybe this is the first time you've actually heard about Jesus. I don't want to presume that everybody knows him. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, I want to know this Jesus. I, I, I think I'm ready to do whatever it takes to see my life changed would you help me with that? I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand up so I can see it. Anybody? Yep, hands going up. Thanks. You can put them down. Anybody else? Scan in the room. Several hands went up again. And I always say this. This is between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and Jesus. But the Bible declares that where two or more gather in his name, and, and we've got a quorum there. Jesus is in our midst, meaning his spirit is present. And I want to pray with you, and I want you to pray as though he were right in front of you, even holding your hand, or maybe putting his hand on your head. Let him miraculously change you today by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you. I want to ask the whole church family here to pray this prayer with us because we're all in this together. If you raise your hand, say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I'm desperate. I need help. My way's the wrong way. I want to do it right. I want to follow Jesus. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Transform me from the inside out. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to live my life all the days that I have left. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. And I, I believe this with all my heart. Your name was just written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you prayed that. This little booklet will be available on your way out. The new life, the start of some, something wonderful. One of the gals uh, handed me this 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 morning and asked if I'd sign it and, and I forgot this was in the back but there's after, after you go through the whole thing there's this little certificate in the back that you can actually get filled out by somebody here at the church that you've completed all 26 lessons and I'm proud of you I, I don't want to identify you out in public but great job without me telling your name so grab hold one of those they're free 
we paid for it, but they're free to you. We want you to take one of these because it is a great start. Along with a Bible, you have to have a Bible. Um, that's, just, that's just common knowledge. It is 12.01 p.m. Would you look at that? Listen, I hope you don't ever think I'm up here just pummeling you guys. Because that's not my intention. I, I never want to be the guy that's up here beating you up. I mean, if you need it, if I need it, yeah, okay, whatever. If it saves us from eternal damnation, okay, whatever. Right? But I want you to see that my heart is that you guys understand what God's trying to do in His church, with His church. We're all part of that. All of us. Again, look at your neighbor and say, we're all in this together. This isn't a one-man solo mission thing here. It takes all of us coming together as a family. We need each other. Keep each other strong. And You know, one of, one of my bigger concerns with the ladies from the Bear River facility is that when you're done here, you go somewhere else. You've got to find a place. Wherever you live, wherever you're headed next, make sure you find a church that is sold out to Jesus and preaches the truth. Because if you do, when you do, you'll continue falling in love with Jesus over and over and over, and He's going to build you into the person He wants you to be. Strong, vibrant, more than a conqueror. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you again for blessing this church with your presence. Holy Spirit, continue to do that work here. And Lord, if there's anybody here that needs a special prayer, I, I, I pray as our prayer, prayer partners would come forward, the frontline ministries people, Lord, that you would just give them the courage to come up and ask for prayer. We've got people up here that you can come pray with if you need it. Otherwise, you are dismissed. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you again soon.